This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the Alpaca Tribe, the podcast for alpaca people. Grass is green, but lots of different shades. Can you remember why grass is green? Well, it's all to do with the red and blue parts of the light spectrum being absorbed by the grass and green being reflected, so it looks green. But maybe correctly it isn't. A bit too esoteric and philosophical? Hmm, I thought so too. And what does grass do with the absorbed light? Well, that's also a bit complex and gets us into the chemistry of photosynthesis and porphyrin rings and the like. I loved learning all about it back in the day. But do you know what? It all happens whether you can remember, even if you ever knew, the formula for glucose and where the electrons get mopped up or not. And aren't we glad that the waste product of photosynthesis is oxygen, which is so cool because that's just what we need for mopping up electrons in another chemical cycle, in our bodies. My aim is not to baffle you with science, but simply suggest that a lot of things happen without us being involved or even noticing, even if for some of those things it would be good if we did notice. More of that in a moment. Autumn light continues to change and reduce each afternoon. Along with that is a slowing of the grass growing and the producing carbohydrates and sugars for our alpacas to eat. I think the green of the grass has changed, but it's difficult to be exact. It's more obvious in the spring when it suddenly changes from sunny but no rain or rain but no sun, and the grass just bounds into life and vibrant green. Recently I've been thinking of digging out some plans for an ark. We seem to have had so much rain. Rain falling onto wet ground makes your feet squelch and I've returned to a permanent state of head-to-toe waterproofs, complete with my Tilly hat, which I love and keeps my glasses dry. This is the normal state of affairs from now until spring. Have you ever seen the way firemen leave their waterproof trousers on their boots for a quick getaway? I found it works really well for alpaca work too. The trousers also come down over the boots so excess rain doesn't run off your legs and into the boots. Dry feet are a wonderful thing. Things we should be looking out for and noticing. For alpacas, having their feet wet all the time tends to soften the pads, making them slightly more vulnerable. It's definitely worth checking for cuts or injuries from thorns, such as from a hawthorn hedge. Being on wet ground all of the time also tends to make the toenails grow faster. So this time of year is a great time for foot checking. Mind you, a couple of dry days makes it easier, or you'll definitely have to wear gloves and may not see as much as you would otherwise like to. Sometimes the weather is poetically and politely called inclement. This never seems to be a good description for rain here in Wales. Of course, all of the rain does explain why the grass is so green so much of the year. With long fleece, body scoring is important so you know how they're doing as we're going into this colder weather. Remember to be prepared with coats or know where you can source them if needed. 
Body scoring is best done by the same person, with the same hand, in the same place, on the animals. It's a comparison measure, so we can pick up quickly on any changes that could be more alarming at this time of year. Keep it simple and keep records. You're more likely to do it then. I know it can be tempting to just get the food out as quickly as possible and then get ourselves back indoors in the warm. But give yourself enough time out with your alpacas, even in bad weather. I have noticed that a number of the Korea seem much more interested in taking milk at the moment, probably a combination of feeling hungry and also feeling cold and in need of comfort from their mums, from being just so damp. Keep an eye on them and bring them all in if the weather is particularly bad assuming you have the space. Going back to grass. It's the wrong time of year for sowing, or over-sowing, which is filling in the gaps with grass seed. It's too cold and too wet. You'll need to wait for the spring now. For specific timings of sowing seed, I rely on my knowledgeable neighbour, the farmer that all of the other local farmers keep an eye on. He always seems to get it right, and makes some really good hay too. With the grass, it's not all the same, and shouldn't be. It's way more than just green. For haymaking and more intense grazing by cattle and sheep, the rye varieties are favoured. Taller and fast-growing, they produce a lot, and need to, since a cow will eat something like ten times the amount of grass in a day compared to alpacas. Quality and overall mix is more important for what is referred to as a permanent lay, L-E-Y, i.e. it's a field of grass that isn't going to be ploughed up and re-sown every four or five years. With the rye varieties, it can tend to cause animals to get too fat. It just produces a lot of sugars and carbohydrates. It's designed to, but it's not what they want. And they'll miss out on the full range of nutrition they need if there's not a wide range of different types of grasses. But there are so many different varieties. You're going to need some good local advice from farming neighbours and probably a seedsman as well. As well as the slower-growing fescues, there's great benefit from including more herbs and other plants in addition to plain grass. Grass has fairly shallow roots and some of the other plants go deeper and draw moisture and nutrients from a deeper level, which is particularly helpful. It might be in the soil, but can you get it into the mouth of the alpaca? I think I've previously mentioned how alpacas like to pick and mix and are not uh, stick-their-head-down grazers. As an example... Here is the detail from Cotswold Seeds of what's in what they refer to as their alpaca mix. Meadow Fescue, a valuable low-sugar grazing grass with wide leaves, also useful for making hay. Tall Fescue, deep-rooting and drought-resistant grass with robust leaves. Coxfoot, a deep-rooting and early-growing species. It can be a strong plant, but is very drought-tolerant and is kept under control by regular grazing. It is most popular for grazing and making hay, and will recover quickly when defoliated, creating new leafy growth. Just what the alpacas like. Creeping red fescue. This common grass, as its name implies, has a creeping growth habit. This helps it to bind the turf together to create a resilient grazing surface. Sheep's fescue. Hardy and drought-resistant. Sheep's fescue will withstand heavy grazing and is a fine-leaved species, which grows slowly in the base of the sward. Timothy. 
possibly the most important and flexible grass species. It is a very common species found in pasture throughout the UK. Used for hay and late-season grazing, it's very persistent and provides a good source of fibre for alpacas, especially useful to balance forage at times of the year that promote lush, leafy growth in the pasture. Smaller cat's tail. Palatable for livestock, it's valued as a forage plant, being similar to timothy, but being a smaller plant overall. It provides forage and helps to cre- create a dense sward. Smooth stalked meadow grass. Found throughout the UK in meadows and traditional pastures, it is said to be one of the greenest grasses found growing in the early spring and is an indicator of land that is well drained and in good heart. <laughs> Love that description. Land that is in good heart. The species itself is palatable and nutritional to livestock, often called one of the traditional sweet grasses. This is one of the most nutritious meadow grasses with early spring growth and persisting on thinner dry land. Rough stalked meadow grass, a very common species throughout the UK and Europe. It can be found in lowland pastures, river meadows, and long term pasture. Common bent grass. A delicately flowered grass suited to hard grazing and will establish especially well on heavier soils. Meadow foxtail. It can provide very early spring grazing and a useful contribution to meadow hay crops, growing strongly on heavier, wetter soils. Sweet vernal grass. An early flowering grass strongly scented with kumarin. When cut as part of a hay crop, it is this plant that gives hay its sweet smell. It's an adaptable plant found growing in a wide range of habitats. Crested dog's tail. Traditionally a grazing grass which helps to fill out the base of the sward, this compact tufted perennial often forms part of the sward in an old traditional pasture. Burnet forage herb. Burnet is a forage herb known to contain robust levels of cobalt as well as other minerals. Sounds good. It's noted for having deep tap roots, which helps it remain green on thin, dry soils. It's also early to grow in the spring, contributing to forage in late March to April. Generally, it's used as a constituent of diverse grazing swords to improve drought tolerance and mineral content of forage. Burnet is commonly mixed with sheep's parsley, yarrow and rib grass to increase diversity and lift trace elements from deep within the soil profile. Ribgrass, also known as plantain, is a very popular perennial forage herb which increases grazing quality in a sward. Mineral-rich plant with deep, drought-tolerant soil-conditioning roots. It has been shown to contain twice the amount of selenium and other minerals that a typical ryegrass species might have. It has a useful protein content of around 17-18%. to 18%. Not many more to go. Yarrow forage herb. Yarrow is a small seeded forage herb which has been noted to improve circulation and blood flow in livestock. It's been recognised for many years as beneficial to livestock health, being particularly high in manganese and also has a deep root system which helps it stay green in drought conditions. Sheep's parsley forage herb. Sheep's parsley is known to be high in iron and vitamins A and C. It's also noted that it enhances fertility in breeding stock. It may be beneficial to add a small quantity of low-growing, non-aggressive white clover and or lucerne, also known as alfalfa, to improve the protein levels available to the animal within the sward, especially for lactating females. And 
the list could go on. There are hundreds of different grass species, and then you're into the different cultivars and the different ray specifics for particular things. And did you notice there's an awful lot that was for drought conditions? I'm not sure we have drought conditions here, but it does get quite dry at times when we don't have a, a flow of... We, in the spring, often, we do have a time when we don't have the rain. It's strange. But there we go. It's a whole other thing, isn't it? Complicated, specific, and prone to people's strong personal preference. So local knowledge and working with what you've got is definitely worth exploring. Find a grass identification key. You can get some laminated ones. And then go spend some time rooting around, working out what you've got. You could while away some of the dark winter nights, when you're not spinning or crocheting or whatever, by pouring over seed catalogues and checking out what is out there. What else should we be doing through the late autumn and into winter? Well, vitamin A, D and E paste is worth getting in stock and giving monthly through the winter. Especially important for the youngsters. So remember, vitamin D comes from exposure to sun and winter months are a bit on the short side, as already observed. Lactating or pregnant alpacas need some extra protein at this time of year. I tend to favour micronized peas for that. They're rolled and quick-dried. And if it's cold, then something with a little molasses in it, or even sugar beet to give quick access energy that they can use for keeping warm without relying on their fat reserves. They don't have much of that anyway, if we're feeding them correctly, and they will need what they do have for later in the winter. Mm. So there we go. The work is a bit harder, and the planning for next year, an opportunity and necessity. I hope it all comes together for you. Millie the Matriarch says hi. And her Kriya Ivanwi says that she didn't want to be left out either. Nona had a grumble, and Megan threatened to spit because I got too close. Alice was pleased to see me, and nibbled my rear end as I bent down to put some food in a bowl. I think that was meant as friendly. All the babies look the same at the moment, but we'll be back again as soon as we have some sun and wind to dry them off. Perhaps tomorrow. They seem a happy band, but I know they would like a little less rain. I think that probably goes for most of us, at least around here. Thanks for being here and hope to see you again soon. Take care, stay well, and go spend some time with an alpaca. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.